Welcome back to SE. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and this is Exposure 113, where we took a look back into SEC conference play and looking at the LSU Tigers, who have been underperforming the last couple years. So I want to start off with the results from the 2021 season, where the LSU Tigers started off with a loss to UCLA and then also ended with a loss to Kansas State in the Texas Bowl. So LSU had another underperforming season, which is only two seasons removed from the Joe Burrow era, which brought an undefeated season, a national championship, Heisman Trophy winner, and one of the best seasons ever in 2019. Now the Tigers find themselves towards the bottom of the SEC, finishing 7th, which was last in their division, the SEC West, going 6-7 and seven overall and 3-5 and five in conference play last year. Other than the losses to the Bruins and the Wildcats, LSU also fell to Auburn, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Arkansas. So I do want to start with taking a look at the offensive side of the ball. And we are now in a college football world where the league is an offensive league. And more specifically, it's a passing league. So you have to be able to throw the ball and you have to do that very well. And let's just look at some of the programs that have been successful in Oklahoma Alabama and Ohio State to only name a few and also LSU won their national championship in 2019 in major part due to Joe Burrow having one of the best seasons ever because he threw for 60 touchdowns which was a record at the time but that was an insane stat really anything over 50 touchdowns in terms of passing touchdowns is categorized as having a great season it almost makes you a lock to receive some sort of Heisman Trophy hype. But Joe Burrow was able to have a great season that pretty much put him in a category by himself. So we looked at the total of the 13 games played for LSU. And per ESPN, LSU ranked 12th out of 14th in the SEC, accumulating 4,790 yards over the course of the 2021 season. This came out to... 3,300 yards passing, and 1,482 yards rushing, scoring a grand total of 345 points. So that doesn't really mean much to us, but on an average per game basis, this comes out to 368 yards per game. Out of those 368, 254 of those yards were through the air and 114 yards on the ground. And then on a points-per-game basis, they scored about 26 points a game. So, not good enough. It's Frankly, it's just not good enough for a team like LSU, and especially in the offensive league that we're in now. Rushing for just over 100 yards per game and scoring 26 points per game is not going to cut it. So now we're looking at the entire offensive breakdown in the SEC. And to me, there seem to be four separate tiers of how the teams have separated themselves in the 2021 season so we'll start at the top and work our way down and at the top we have tier four which is our explosive tier so this consists of two teams in Ole Miss and Alabama and Alabama even though they had a lack of skill players on offense they were able to go out and get Jamison Williams from Ohio State in the transfer portal for last season and then they also had the Heisman winner at quarterback in Bryce Young. So we can check them off the box. But also, Lane Kiffin's system at Ole Miss allows for a lot of points to be scored and for the quarterback to put up huge numbers. So these two teams have really separated themselves 
from the rest of the pack in the SEC. And if we're looking at their numbers offensively, both teams averaged about 490 yards of offense per game, throwing the ball very well and only running the ball fairly well. But again, we're in a passing league, and so that's to be expected. Ole Miss did average less points per game than Alabama at 33 points per game versus the 39 points per game that Alabama was putting up. But in this system with Lane Kiffin, this consistently puts them and the quarterback in a position to score and capitalize on big plays, which is why it's pretty easy to group Ole Miss and Alabama together here. Working our way down, now we're at Tier 3, which is the average tier. And these teams make up Florida, Georgia, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Missouri. And these programs were either pretty average on offense or one-dimensional enough to the point where they could win games because of their offensive play. So these teams averaged anywhere from 413 yards of offense per game to 474 yards, mostly throwing the ball. And the only exception here is that Mississippi State threw the ball a ton in their quote-unquote, we'll call it the air raid offense. Thank you to Mike Leach and their system that he ran at Washington State and now with Mississippi State. But it's a similar feel to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin's system where you're just going to have to rely on the offense to put up big points and big numbers. Now we're down to Tier 2, which is our subpar tier. And we have two programs here with Auburn and Texas A&M. And both programs averaged about 400 yards of offense per game. And these are two programs who have shown a lot of success in the SEC and consistently have brought in top-tier talent and good recruiting. But they struggled to run the ball last year. And also, they only averaged about 29 points per game. So now we're at that threshold of scoring below 30 points per game on average. And now this brings us to our final tier at the bottom, Tier 1 which is just the the not good enough tier. And this consists of the LSU Tigers, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt is always going to be bad. They're going to be at the bottom of the SEC, and so we're not going to spend too, too much time on them. But with South Carolina, I think they're interesting because now that they went in the transfer portal and got quarterback Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma, we could maybe see them dig themselves out of the mud a little bit and get to the point where they could become a Tier 2 team or even a, a Tier 3 team if it really hits with Spencer Rattler to the point where they can rely on their quarterback to go out there and win them some games. But for LSU, for next year, I mean, no questions asked. They have to enter that Tier 2, which is just the subpar tier, and group themselves with an Auburn and a Texas A&M. Now, both teams, especially A&M, could be better next year. A&M's pulling in those big-time recruiting classes, and so we'll see what happens with them over the next couple of years. But when you look at the numbers, in terms of passing, LSU statistically was better than both Auburn and A&M, which we have in the tier above LSU right now. But to us, the clear distinction here lies in the run game. And for a team that only averaged 114 rushing yards per game in LSU, this was the factor that we decided that puts them behind Auburn and A&M. Both of those teams averaged about 160 to 180 yards of rushing per game. Now, if you think we're kind of pinching pennies here, you are correct. We are pinching pennies. 
but an additional 50 yards of rushing per game would have bumped LSU up to that next tier and grouped them with Auburn and A&M. And this isn't only because of the extra yardage that it would bump up that rushing number, but because those 50 extra yards could also extend a drive that results in a field goal rather than a punt. And this is extremely important because if you have one drive per game that is extended and results in a field goal, then you're going to bump another three points up on that average score per game. And that would bring LSU's 2021 average point total per game from 26 to 29. And this would put them right in the middle of Auburn and AM, who both averaged 28 and 29 points per game, respectively. I don't want to say that this is an easy jump to make, but I definitely feel that this is an appropriate jump. And I feel like LSU fans are expecting it and that Brian Kelly and his coaching staff can definitely get them there because it's not a question of talent per se. LSU has always had great talent to compete with the best, but this is an offensive jump that they have to make going into the 2022 season. So we've spent some time talking on the offensive side of the ball. I now want to touch base defensively. And we're sticking with our stats from ESPN here. I think defensively, LSU performed slightly better than what they did offensively. And so when you look at their cumulative stats here, they allowed 4,466 yards per game, which came out to about allowing 372 yards of total offense per game. And teams seem to stay fairly balanced against them, throwing for an average of 234 yards per game and rushing for 137 yards per game. Now, in this ever-increasing passing league, this now balance seems to be about right and seems to be where teams are trying to find their sweet spot. But LSU was also giving up about 25 points per game, and that's awfully close to the average per game basis that their offense was putting up at 26 points per game. So when you're putting up 26 and your defense is allowing 25, that's a very, very tight and it's the perfect mix for losing more than two or three games in one year with really teams in other games that start to run away from you a little bit. It almost puts games in almost a coin flip situation for you when the margin for error is so increasingly small. Now, if you're in this situation, if your offense was good or even better than good, if it was great, then you can rely on your offense to go out and win you a game or two, depending on how good your offense is. But unfortunately for LSU, the margin for error was so small, they couldn't rely on their offense to go out there and win them a game. So we did a similar thing here with the tiers, and we'll start with our tier four, which is our top tier. And to no surprise, in looking at the SEC, there was only one team here, which was Georgia. They're one of the best defensive teams that we've seen in the last 10 to 20 years. And they are really the primary reason why they won the national championship last year. And if you look at their numbers, defensively, they only gave up 253 yards per game. And on a point per game basis, they only allowed nine points, which is elite. There was a clear distinction between tier four and then tier three. And tier three for us makes up Alabama, A&M. Mississippi State, and Kentucky. And all of these teams seem to allow 306 to 337 yards per game, allowing anywhere from 15 to 25 points on average on a per-game basis. So again, a clear jump, not just from 
the yards per game. But you look at the points allowed per game from 9 to almost 25. That just creates that huge separation between these two tiers. This now brings us to our subpart tier in tier 2 with South Carolina, Florida, Auburn, Arkansas, and then we put LSU in here. So good news here on the defensive side, we have them a tier higher than their offensive side. And defensively, it just looked like they were a little bit of a better team on this side of the ball, judging by the numbers from the 2021 season. The teams in this tier gave up an average of 350 to about 370 yards per game. And on average, they allowed 22 to 26 points per game to be scored. And then we'll might as well finish it out with our tier one, which makes up Tennessee, Ole Miss, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. The clear thing and the clear distinction with this tier is that all of these teams gave up more than 400 yards per game and allowed anywhere from 25 to 35 points per game on an average per game basis. So clear distinctions defensively on these tiers, especially between tiers four and three and then between tiers two and one. Now, I think LSU statistically may be a little bit closer to tier one than they are to tier three. But I think they have a good chance to bump into that tier three. And if you get into that top tier, now you find yourself in the middle of the pack. And defensively, you can rely to get on a stop, get a third down stop, get a turnover, or do something that allows your team to give the ball back to your offense, which we think will be improved for the 2022 season. So we looked at the numbers, and now we want to go back to these losses from the 2021 season because now we know that offensively and defensively what they were scoring what they were giving up was very close with a very little margin for error so they lost seven games which is never a good thing no matter what program you are but we want to take a deeper look into these losses since we knew that the margin for error was so tiny so we talked about the loss to ucla which is the opening game on the road they lost that by 11 which really seemed to shock a lot of people but I wouldn't say it shocked me. Now, that doesn't mean I picked UCLA to win. I just didn't trust LSU. And it's not that I trust UCLA. I just didn't think LSU was going to rebound and have this fantastic season with like a repeat or even close to a repeat of 2019. And so I think you could definitely get caught looking past an opening game like a UCLA Bruins, especially with Chip Kelly. Things can get interesting with his system and what he tries to do. But LSU stunk it up in 2020, but Coach O and the program got a COVID pass like a lot of people did. And not only because of the pandemic, but they'd also just won a national championship this season before in 2019. But now in the 2021 season, you see a lot of losing and a lot of close games to Auburn, Alabama, and Arkansas. And they lost these games by an average of about four or five points. So that's just one possession. And they even hung around with Alabama on the road. And they were throwing the ball into the end zone at the end of the game, trying to see if they can get a score late. But that was a game that felt like Alabama should have taken control on. But LSU was able to hang around in there and just kind of keep people on the edge of their seats a little bit longer. So obviously, if we're putting the pen to paper and looking at the numbers you want LSU to move up in these tiers that we've identified. Well, for starters, you have a new coach in Brian Kelly who came down from Notre Dame, and that's a big help. 
And speaking of Brian, we want to give you some background on Brian, where he coached before, and how he worked his way up to the point where he's at now. And then we'll touch base on his coaching style a little bit. So Brian began his coaching career at Grand Valley State University in 1987 as a graduate assistant, as most coaches do. He became the defensive coordinator and recruiting coordinator in 1989 before taking over as the head coach in 1991. So he secured his first head coaching job very quickly after just joining the staff as a GA in 87. But at GV State, he was actually very successful. And at one point, his program was on a winning streak of 20 consecutive wins. And he also claimed multiple Division II national championships in back-to-back years in 2002 in 2003 so he had much success here but after 13 years and the overall record of 118 35 and 2 brian decided it was time to move on and became the next head coach at central michigan university for the 2004 season and this was a program that really needed to be built up because they were only winning about three games a year at that point and then once they brought in brian kelly he was successful here as well and got Central Michigan to the point where they were winning nine games a year, especially in the the 2006 season. And then following the conclusion of the 06 season, Brian moved on to his next step, which was the Cincinnati Bearcats as their coach following the departure of Mark D'Antonio. And he continued the success train here, leading the Bearcats to their first ever outright Big East title, which started to gather the national attention of other big-time programs around Brian Kelly and what he could do as a coach, building up a program that needed to be successful. In the 2009 season, the Cincinnati Bearcats were really firing on all cylinders and went undefeated in the regular season. They played Florida in the Sugar Bowl, and they were ranked number three at the time. Now, they went on to lose to the Gators, but Brian didn't coach the team here because this happened in January. Earlier that year in December, he had actually accepted the Notre Dame coaching job towards the end of the 09 season. So this concluded his coaching run at Cincinnati, but overall, Brian was successful going 34-6. and So now he arrives at Notre Dame, and I think most people think of the Fighting Irish when you discuss Brian Kelly, as it's a pretty big-time program. And so we've talked about how the success has followed Brian everywhere he's been, And this definitely followed him to Notre Dame because in 2012, his team found themselves in the national championship game against Alabama, but they got smoked 42-14. So not a great look. And really with this game, I mean, the game was over before it even started. And I think Alabama even mentioned later on that when they were watching film, they saw that they just had the advantage and that these guys weren't going to be able to hang around them and that there was a clear talent gap and recruiting gap between these two programs but things didn't really continue to be all successful for brian kelly in fighting irish for a couple years in the following year in the 2013 season starting quarterback everett golson was lost for the year upon surfacing allegations and academic violations for cheating on a test and this was in part due to these allegations that notre dame had to vacate all nine wins from the 2013 season So that left them with an adjusted record of going 0-4 in 2013. Notre Dame did go on to appeal this, and the NCAA declined that. So unfortunately, 2014 wasn't really all that much better. 
This was also the year that Notre Dame had discovered that an athletic trainer had provided impermissible benefits to some f football players. And really, this trainer was just doing homework and coursework for football players. So when Notre Dame heard this and found out, they went ahead and self-reported this violation to the NCAA. And they also had to vacate their wins from the 2012 season, which was part of the time when these violations took place. So technically, Notre Dame and Brian Kelly didn't win any games during the 2012 and 2013 season. And then per an article written in 2016 by CBS Sports, this former student trainer was with the Notre Dame Athletic Department from 2009 to 2013, and the NCAA also placed Notre Dame on a one-year probation in addition to the vacated wins that they saw. So now Notre Dame kind of got the hard stuff and the NCAA stuff out of the way and found themselves having some average and subpar seasons mixed in from 2015 to 2017. But then finally, they get some much-needed success with the Fighting Irish and Brian Kelly finding themselves in the college football playoff in 2018 and 2020. But again, this didn't go well. In 2018, they got smoked by Clemson 30-3, to and then they got rocked by Alabama 31-7 to in the 2020 semifinal. So unfortunately for the Fighting Irish, in the three national championship or national championship semifinal games that they've been in since they've had Brian Kelly, they've gotten blown out all three times. And it sounds even worse when you total up the score. And so that's what we did. And out of those three games, they lost 103-24. to Now, this is a program that has history and is historically great. The university claims 11 national championships, and this is in addition to the seven Heisman Trophy winners and all the tradition and everything else that comes with Notre Dame. But they just haven't truly been truly successful as a modern power. They're getting blown out in these big-time games. But Brian, when you look at his tenure for the Fighting Irish, it was still successful, going 92-39 and 39 overall, and this included the vacated wins in the 2012 and 2013 seasons. And then on November 30th, 2021, he was officially named head coach at LSU and is now making $9 million a year with the Tigers. So Brian Kelly's system and scheme is actually pretty interesting. And we took a look at a Sports Illustrated article written by Brian Smith in December 2021. But while Brian was at Cincinnati, he liked to go high tempo and no huddle just to keep the ball alive and moving down the field. And I guess Cincinnati was known as being the organ of the Big East at the time. And, you know, it makes sense to try the no huddle thing because you can take advantage of the defense either getting tired and not being able to rest or just not being set in time when you're snapping the ball. And with this, Brian liked to utilize zone reads and four wide receiver sets in a man blocking system. So in a spread offense, and Urban Meyer would always say this when he was at Ohio State, Running a spread offense is all about equating numbers in the running game, which really just means having enough blockers for the defenders that are in the box from the defensive linemen up to the linebackers. And now, while it's fun to be in a system like this and it always sounds good and looks good on paper, you have to have the right coaching and the right personnel for it. So when Brian Kelly first arrived at Notre Dame, there were a lot of ups and downs and this system wasn't really working at first. But he was also taking over a program, which was previously run under Charlie Weiss, 
who ran more of a pro-style offense. And so Brian was working on transitioning this team into more of a spread offense, but interceptions amongst other turnovers by his quarterbacks really hurt the progression of this offensive change. And it seemed like in the early years, the passing game was just really inconsistent at best. And they've started to finally hit some big-time offensive plays and see this kind of breakthrough when they started bringing in some fast, talented skill guys by the names of Will Fuller, wide receiver, who helped progress this offense along. Okay, so now our final segment here. We're going to look at the recruiting and just future buzz of the LSU program. So LSU is a national brand, a national power. They've never had trouble bringing in top-tier talent and recruiting classes. But for good thing for Brian is that he'll want to gather his own players, but this is a Tigers team that did pull in the 12th ranked 2022 class, which was fourth overall in the SEC. But this is impressive for a program that is going through the midst of a huge coaching change and a new coaching staff, which can also drive recruits or commits away from the program. And this 2022 class is highlighted by a five-star linebacker, Harold Perkins out of Cypress, Texas, who was a top 10 recruit nationally, number two recruit in his position, and number two overall recruit out of the state of Texas. So when you're building a program or rebuilding a program like this, your first recruiting class is usually never stellar as you're rebuilding the LSU brand and your brand as their head coach. So really this means I don't think it's fair to expect to pull in a top 10 class, although LSU did do a great job damn near getting there pulling in a 12th ranked class per 24-7 sports. So at this point, you know recruiting-wise, it's not going to be exactly where you want it. So you have to go to the transfer portal, or as we'll call it, the college football free agency transfer portal, where the Tigers did get Jaden Daniels, a quarterback out of Arizona State, who had thrown for over 6,000 yards and 16 touchdowns with the Sun Devils, and he also rushed for almost 1,300 yards and 16 touchdowns over his career with Arizona State. And Jaden has two years remaining of eligibility, and he brings a dual threat element to the Tigers, which, of course, it not only boosts their talent, but it fits with the fast and quick twitch scheme and zone reads that Brian's going to like to run. So this was a great get for them out of the transfer portal. But this will also open up that run game that we talked about with those tiers earlier and allow for the opportunity to increase the rush yards per game, putting Jaden in some read option situations. Now, we're at this point in college football where you really kind of have to work the transfer portal every offseason to see who can come in and who you can get to help fill a hole in your roster. But getting this quarterback, Daniels, out of Arizona State has been a great get for Brian and the LSU Tigers, so kudos to them. But LSU is definitely one of the more interesting programs that I'm going to be on the look for as we inch closer to the 2022 season. Because you got Brian Kelly from one big program just to another. And it's not always going to be a seamless transition. It's not always going to work out instantly right away. But in a program like LSU that has talent, and then you're bringing in a coach like Brian Kelly, where we just went over how successful he's been everywhere he's coached at along the way, I think it's a good setup to definitely see LSU making big improvements early on. And so they're going to be an exciting program to watch over the next couple seasons. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of Sideline Exposure. 
ratings and reviews are always appreciated so huge thank you to you guys that have already dropped them so far those are a huge help so thank you for that and you can follow us on our social medias at sideline exposure on facebook instagram and tiktok and at sideline expose on twitter to stay up to date on what we're doing and our new episodes that are being released etc but stay tuned for more content coming your way every sunday as always and thank you for listening